Talk Radio. Nothing to 
of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and through it he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he did not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place he would afterward receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received, received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, unheavenly, Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, 
blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because he saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Test that he destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. (coughs) By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, and of whom the world was not Worthy, They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of of his holy word. And so our reaching out radio family, just before we go into what God has given all three of us for you tonight, 
I am going to just open this up in a word of prayer. We know that the word of God is already anointed. It needs nothing for mere human man or woman to add to it. But each time we come and we present God's word, we ask for the Lord to cover us so that we might be anointed of God and speak just those things that he would have you and he would have us to hear tonight. So we're going to do that. Wherever you are, will you just bow your heads in uh, humility before God as we seek him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We are so grateful, awesome God that you are. We thank you, Lord God, for being such a wonderful Heavenly Father. We thank you, O God, for giving us faith. Even as I was listening to Hebrews 11 being read tonight, God, my heart was just uh, touched and encouraged afresh. I was even reminded of a time that I left my own country and you allowed me to go to a, 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 a country that I'd never been before. And I know that hundreds of thousands of others have done the same. And we did not know what we were going to encounter. I certainly did not know what I was going to encounter. But then even then you have proved so So faithful, oh God. Awesome God that you are. And we just want to stop before anything else and say how much we adore you, how much we worship you, how much we love you, God, how good and great you are, Lord Jesus. Tonight as we talk about faith and we especially uh, just target that special verse there about women having received back their dead, raised to life again, and there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Lord, in the day and the time that we live in, we pray Mm. that we would be found faithful because you said so clearly, you asked this question, when you return, will you find faith? the earth. Mm. And our prayer is, oh God, that you would quicken everyone that is listening to what is going to be presented tonight, and that it would be anointed, it would be powerful, and it would be just what you want your people to hear. We come against distraction, we come against any spirit of confusion, and we ask that you would be glorified, that you would be honored in everything that's said and done tonight. It will be done for your honor and for your glory. Make it plain in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And so I want to remind our speakers again Uh tonight that we do have an international audience. So whatever we're going to share, we want to say it in a way that even people that don't have English as their first language, but they they do understand English, they can still get it. And so I want to first introduce a wonderful sister of both mine and Pastor Myrna's. This is Sister Rose. We love her very much, and we thank God that she is a a, a great woman of faith. And so she can definitely talk about faith. All of us that have been born again, we are people of faith, and we have to move in faith. Everything that we do has to be in faith when it comes to the kingdom of God. And so our sister Rose is going to share about being able to hear, hear from God, And she's going to talk about exercising faith 
in God. Now, this is a lady who I know, I have witnessed so many times God has given her prophetic word. She does not call herself a prophetess, but I have personally watched her life and witnessed so many times when the Spirit of God would speak to her and she would say, I believe that the Lord is showing me, whether it's through a dream or through just the word or through a vision, God is showing her something. I tell you, it's going to come to pass. I remember when she was telling us about what was going to take place in the island of Puerto Rico. And she had told us more than a year or two before that took place that it was coming. And sure enough, it came to pass. Then again, she said, I sense by the Spirit of God there's going to be more hurricanes hitting that island of Puerto Rico. And sure enough, it came to pass. So I present to you tonight, Sister Rose. God bless you, my sister. It's your time now. God bless your Sister Pearl. Mm-hmm. And God bless the whole uh, audience tonight. Um, I pray that this word can reach the hearts of every listener and that your lives can be built by the spirit of the living God. <clears throat> uh, the scripture that I have is actually a sentence from Hebrews 11.35. It's the first sentence. I'm going to read three different versions um, to then uh, develop uh, the understanding of this. Um, Out of the American Standard Version, it reads, women received their dead by a resurrection. By the Bible in basic English, it reads, women had their dead given back to them living. And The King James Version reads as follows. Women received their dead raised to life again. Now, I want to begin today by giving some biblical background that I think it's important for us to understand why the writer of Hebrews expresses this. Women received their dead raised to life again. Notice that the King James Version states that the women received their dead and that they received them with life Again, now let me clarify this scripture for you. And I will ask this question, who the author is referring to? The author here is referring to various events across the Bible. But I'm only going to give you two specific ones. And out of those two, I'm going to detail one. 
First Kings 17, chapter 17, verses 17 through 22. And this particular portion is talking about the widow of Zarephath. The second portion is Second Kings chapter 4, verses 18 through 37. And that particular portion speaks of the Elisha raises the Shunammite son. Now, in both of these instances, the widow of Zarephath and the Shunammite woman, their sons were actually dead. Now, the miracle here is that they received a life from the hands of the prophets Elijah and Elisha. Now, you may be asking, how does this how did this happen? Well, it was on the way of a resurrection as well as by faith. Now, let me make something clear here. It wasn't so much the faith of these two women, although it did play a part in it. These were women that had some sort of faith. But these women were torn apart from pain. They were broken. They had just lost their sons. And if anyone knows when you're in despair, when there is that kind of grief, faith for the most part goes out the window because you're actually questioning, especially when it happens to have been Two young men, children, how can this be? So your faith is not exactly where it needs to be. Anyone that has gone through a loved one's death, whether it's a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, knows that grief sometimes can bring you to a point of your faith not being there and even asking God what happened if you're a believer. Why? Especially when it comes to a young man, a a young daughter. Okay, so this was the situation of these two women. The miracle happened by the faith of the prophet. Now, you may ask, how do we know their sons were dead? We know this because the scriptures are very specific and detailed, very detailed on it. And you can read this for yourself. I'm going to repeat the, the, the portions of scriptures, if you have a Bible, that you can read it. First Kings 17 Chapter 17, verses 17 through 22, which is the one that I am going to speak on. And the second one, which is on the Shunammite woman, 
is Second Kings chapter 4, verses 18 through 37. <clears throat> I'm going to read the one that I'm going to discuss here tonight, the widow of Zarephath. And I'm going to be reading from the 1965 Bible in basic English, because I'd rather have everyone understand. 1 Kings 17, 17 through 22, reads as follows. Now, after this, the son of the woman of the house became ill, so ill or so sick that there was no breath in him. And she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to put God in mind of my sin and to put my son to death? And he said to her, Give me your son. And lifting him up out of her arms, he took him up to his room and put him down on his bed. And crying to the Lord, he said, O Lord my God, have you sent evil even on the widow who's, who I am a guest by causing her son's death? And stretching himself out on the child three times, he made his prayer to the Lord, saying, O Lord my God, be pleased to let this child's life come back to him again. And the Lord gave ear or listened to the voice of Elijah, and the child's spirit came back to him again. And he came back to life. <clears throat> Now, I want to give a theme verse here that fits right in with Hebrews chapter 11. And that is Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And it reads, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I want to make a point on this. We cannot expect for God to hear us unless we believe him and unless we have faith in him. Now, I'm going to give you the background of the widow of Zarephath that led to the events of the death of her son. First King chapter 17 begins with the Lord holding the rain from Israel. That's in verse 1. It tells us how Elijah went over to the king and told him, there will be no rain until I say so. 
Now, why this came to be? The drought was in judgment of the nation's rampant idolatry. In other words, the nation was filled with idolatry under King Ahab and Jezebel. In verse 8, the Lord tells Elijah to go to Zarephath, where a widow would provide food for him, as well as shelter. Elijah obeys God and finds the widow, the widow gathering sticks. Their encounter goes as follows. He said to her, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink and bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Those are verses 11 and 12 of 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, mind you, there's a famine in the land. There hasn't been any rain. And if there's no rain, there's no crops. And if there's no crops, there's no food. The widow is in need herself. In fact, she is in a great need. She barely has anything to eat for herself and her son. Now, she responded as follows. As the Lord your God, listen carefully, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. That's verse 13. In other words, this was going to be her last meal for her and her son, and then die of starvation. That was the reality of this woman and her child. Elijah's answer was surely a test of her faith. If nothing else, Elijah was challenging her faith. He told her to make some food for him anyway. How dare he ask a woman that doesn't have hardly any food, go ahead. Prepare me some food anyway. But look what Elijah does as well. Elijah adds a promise to her. Because 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 13 and 14 says this. And Elijah said to her, have no fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and come and give it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this 
is the word of the Lord, the God of Israel. The store of meal will not come to an end. In other words, it will not finish. You will have food. And the bottle will never be without oil. In other words, you're going to have plenty of oil till the day when the Lord sends rain on the earth. Did you catch that? Here we see the widow's faith in her obedience to the man of God. And because of it, God was faithful to his promise. The widow, her son, and Elijah had food for many, many, many days. They never lacked any food. The jar of flour was never finished. Neither did the jug of oil was ever empty. According to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah on verses 15 and 16. The widow's food supply was supernaturally extended as God had promised. Can you imagine that? Can we see the supernatural today in our own lives? There are countries that are seeing supernatural moves of God in ways that we here in the U.S. have not experienced. Elijah stayed at the widow's house for some time. And I mean quite some time. The Bible doesn't tell us for how long except that he was living in the upper room of the widow's house. Now, this is where it gets interesting. It tells us that after that, the woman's son died of an illness. And the woman was angry and grieving. Because of it, she was now blaming Elijah for her son's death. We know this because verse 18 reads as follows. And she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to put God in mind of my sin and to put my son to death? That's an expression of anger. That's an expression of grievance, pain, hurt. You see, she assumed that God was judging her for her sin. But Elijah cried out to God, Lord, my God, boy's life returned to him. That's verse 21. And the child was restored to life. Now, I want to go back to Hebrews 11, 
35, that says, women received their dead raised to life again. You see, because something happened, something happened to the widow. At that very moment, when she see her son alive again, something happened to her. <clears throat> the word tells us this, that she said, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. That's verse 24. It was in that moment that if there was a doubt, because she knew she had called him a man of God, but this time there was the assurance that he was truly a man of God and that the word of the Lord from his mouth was the truth. The whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is about faith. We see it from the very first scripture. And this sentence, this first sentence of verse 35 that reads, women received their dead, raised to life again lets us know that God hears the grieving. Listen carefully. This is not just for the women. This is for the men, because men grieve too. God hears the grieving without us uttering a word. We know she was grieving. And grief speaks louder than words. Why? Because when you're grieving, there's really not much that you can say. When your heart is torn, when you are so broken, there are no words to express the pain and the grief, especially of a mother or a father that loses a child. It's from the depths of the heart. And God knows how to read those deep emotions. It was her son, and she had already lost her husband. She was a widow. I'm almost certain that she felt all alone. I don't have anyone. Now, what am I going to do? The only child that I had to help me, no longer alive. No one to comfort her. She didn't know that God was hearing her grief and feeling her pain. Now, here's the key. 
God requires faith. Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that we read before, that Myrna, that Pastor Myrna read, says the following. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For it is necessary for anyone who comes to God to believe God that he is and that he is a rewarder of all those who make a serious search for him. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that I have read before, I will read it again. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The widow's miracle only came after she prepared a meal for Elijah. Her obedience brought about faith. It was an act of sincere faith on her part. Because if she didn't believe that he was a man of God, she could have easily just said, no, I am not going to give, make anything for you. This is my last meal, and that is only for my son and me. But she didn't. She went and prepared the meal for him. God always requires A response from us first before we can see a response from him. I'm going to give you here three points. Out of 1 Kings 17 verses 11 and 12, 8. And she was going to get it. He called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. First point, the widow, to begin with, was not a Jew. She was living on the coast of Phoenicia, living in the midst of idolatry, because the Phoenicians were idolaters. They didn't serve the God of the Jews or the Israelites. And yet her response was, as the Lord your God lives. Her first response was that she believed. She believed in the God of Elijah. We know this because she immediately identified Elijah as a man of God, and she believed that his God was real. Third point, her next response to Elijah was, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. 
She may have been weak in faith and was just stating the obvious in the natural. But not what was happening was all around the country. Famine. People were dying of hunger. Remember how it started. It was three years of no rain in the land. That was all that her eyes could see. Elijah's request for a bite of bread was to get her to step out in faith and to step out in faith. You have to believe that he, God, is and that he knows your needs and hears your cry. You have to believe that. Now, to complete this, I'm going to leave you with these seven points. Her faith in God was, and believe me, God will always test us. He will always allow a circumstance And you may ask, why? Because the only way that our faith can grow is if we can overcome the circumstances, the trials, the tribulations. If everything is honky-dory, then we remain as children. And we know this even without having to serve God. It is the very things that we have to go through in our jobs, in our homes, when our children get sick, when our spouses are going through something that we may not understand, the marriage is is in disarray, family situations, communities, even what we are going through right now in this country, it is those things that help us to trust because it In a way, it forces us to seek the only one, the only one that has every solution, God, who created us, who made us. He is the only one, and he will allow us to go through certain situations in order for us to grow and mature, and above all, to depend on him, to trust him, for us to speak to him. He wants a relationship with us and for us to have a relationship with him. A life of faith does not prevent affliction and death. The prophet was sent to the widow to encourage and to lift her faith. Point number two, tragedy makes us forget and overlook all of God's benefits. Unfortunately, too many times when tragedy hits us, we forget. We forget all the things that God has done for us, everything that he has promised us. Even when we have the death of a loved one, we forget that resurrection, 
is from God. God is the one that causes all these miracles. He did this with the widow of Zacharias. Her son came back to life and brought a greater faith in her and above all to serve the God that Elijah was serving. Number three, point number three. We so soon forget God's past interventions into our lives. It is so easy when things are good that when our lives are turned upside down, we forget what God did for us three, four, five years ago and even last year. And we get all bent out of shape. And all of a sudden, we are, why God? Why did you allow this to happen to me? Why? What have I done? Haven't I been faithful? And we don't see that the trials and the tribulations, a lot of the times, in fact, I can testify myself that it is those very trials, those very painful situations are an opportunity. And the minute that you begin to look at them as an opportunity, God will do the miraculous. God will do and bring you through and across the other side with greater blessings. Point number four, we so quickly doubt and we begin to blame ourselves and forget God's power. Well, let me make one thing clear. When doubt comes, you should be asking yourself, is this from God? Because God certainly does not bring doubt. And when you start thinking to yourself, blaming yourself for whatever has happened, that is not God either. God is an awesome God. He is almighty, powerful. There is absolutely nothing that God cannot do. Remember, he is the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in it. That in itself is proof of who God is. So, Instead of doubting, begin to trust God. He will give you an answer. Why? Because he knows exactly what you're going through. And he's also waiting for you to speak to him and tell him what is happening. He does not want you to hide anything, even if you made a mistake. God is waiting on you to call upon him. 
Point number five. We recall sins already forgiven. I don't know why our tendency is to always remember the sins of the past. What's in the past is in the past. There is nothing that we can do about it. God has already forgiven. It's time that you forgive yourself. And continue in the path of righteousness, seeking the Lord. He will not bring it to remembrance. He is not going to cause you to remember. Because God himself, the Bible tells us that he has already forgotten. So why are you remembering sins that have already been forgiven? Point number six. We think God's preachers are here to condemn us for our sins. That is what the Shunammite, not the Shunammite, the widow said to Elijah. No one has authority to tell us, condemn us. Only God can condemn. God is the only judge. We all have our faults because we are still in this body. Therefore, if anyone is condemning you, you need to dismiss it and seek the Lord yourself. Each one of you needs to seek God. Only God has the power to forgive sins. Only God knows exactly what you're going through. Only God. And if you give everything to the Lord and you are serving God and you want God in your life, there is no preacher, not me, not anyone that can condemn you. The only one that can really condemn you is your own sins. If you continue living in sin, you're condemning yourself. Not even God. You're condemning yourself. Because the Bible is clear of what God expects from us. He expects us to live in righteousness. He expects us to seek him and to live according to his will. And point number seven and the last one. It is hard to depend on God unless confirmed by miracles. The fact is, the fact that you're alive today, even right now listening, that you're breathing, is a miracle of God in itself. If there is no other miracle that you can seek, Seek at the one that you're having right now, the fact that you're alive, the fact that you are living, the fact that you're breathing, and that God has delivered you from all sorts of dangers that you may not even know about. That is a miracle in itself. The fact that the sun rises every morning and sets every evening 
and the moon is out in the evening, it's a miracle in itself. We need to be grateful for all that God has given us, even in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of whatever situation that we may go through, in the good, in the bad. God is ever ready to hear us. Listen carefully. God is always ready, close to you, expecting to hear from you. He is waiting to listen attentively, carefully, always ready, and always on time, not one minute late, not one minute ahead. He is always on time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless you. God bless you, my sister Rose. What a tremendous and excellent word that was on hearing um, and being able to really exercise faith in God. Beautiful. We know that that was a blessing to all that listened in. And right now we're going to go straight. We're running a little bit over the time, but we're going to go straight into now the miracles. Let me just tell you real quickly that my uh, good friend, Pastor Myrna, uh, she doesn't just preach about miracles. She lives miracles. There's so many times that we've been together and we've experienced miracles. I can tell you, I don't want to take any of her time. Uh, Pastor Myrna, this is your time. God bless you. God bless you, Sister Pearl, and thank you, Sister Rose, for what a message. Wow. 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 That certainly helped me get excited (laughs) because for the faith to be activated, you need to hear. And I'm going to talk about a few miracles in the New Testament. And these miracles that people, because people talk, like right now, people use Facebook People use the Internet, people use Twitter, people use WhatsApp, all things to talk to each other. When there's something good going on, people talk. And Mm -hmm. the same thing happened in in Bible times. And one such um, story begins, I'm going to read a couple of these stories because I need to give you a context for the woman that I want to talk about. So I'm not just going to talk about women whose faith was activated. I'm going to talk about a couple of the men, too. So if you would turn with me to the book of Luke, or later on, you could look it up. But in the book of Luke, chapter 7, and I want to stay in Luke because I don't want to jump around, because all, all the Gospels kind of talk about all different miracles, and they give their different, um, their different perspectives. So I'm going to stick with Luke for now. And in Luke chapter 7, it says, Now, when he concluded all of his sayings, talking about Jesus, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. 
And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, heard about, when he heard Mm. about Jesus, he sent the elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. See, he heard about Jesus. They were talking. Mm -hmm. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was worthy. For he loved our nation and had built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now, you could just imagine Jesus' face right then. I'm, I'm ready to go, okay? I know you heard about me. I'm ready to go to your house. And he says, I'm not worthy. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Then when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. He turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Remember what I said, that line, not even in Israel. And those Mm -hmm. who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. So the word was getting around about Jesus and these miracles. It was getting around, and even this centurion, this, this um, soldier in charge of all of these um, soldiers, he heard about Jesus. He said, well, maybe, you know, talk to him. Maybe he'll do something for my servant. And Jesus responded, and Jesus was ready to go, but he says, no, no, no. No, I'm not even worthy, but you just speak the word. So this, this Gentile, because that's what he was. He was a Gentile. He wasn't in the covenant. Had the faith to say, if you just speak it, it's done. So keep that, keep that little um, tidbit in your, in, in right now, that little piece that says, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So then, now it happens. I want you to continue reading um, at verse 11. Now it happened the day after that he went into the city called Nain, or Nan, however it's pronounced, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. There we go again, Sister Rose. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow and a large crowd from the city was with her. Now, this is very interesting because back then, if you were a widow, your son, when you got old, would take care of you. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just that her son was dying. If her, her son was, was dead, and he was dead, mm-hmm. and that meant 
essentially she was going to be dead soon because she would have no source of income, nobody to take care of her. She would starve. She would probably starve or be on the street begging. And, and just on the mercy of strangers, if, if somebody would take care of her. So she was essentially seeing her life was over, plus all the grief that we just heard about from Sister Rose, that grief that is inconsolable. And I imagine that even in her grief, though, she remembered about God. The scripture mm-hmm. doesn't talk about what she was thinking. But I'm going to improvise here a little bit. Just bear with me. I think that she was saying, God, can you have mercy on me? God, can you hear my cries? I have no son now. I have no future. I'm going to die with my son. Please have mercy. And lo and behold, she goes, what's the chance that she runs smack into Jesus? What are the chances of that? She ran smack into Jesus. And what happened? The Lord, the Lord, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Now, everybody around said, like, what do you mean not weep? She just lost her son. How could you tell mm-hmm. her not to weep? But then he says, then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And he who was dead, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. I get excited about things. Bear with me. (laughs) And he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Oh, my Can you imagine this, Mom? Can you imagine? She's bearing her son, and he presents her dead son back to her alive. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen up among us, and God has visited his people. So right there, hearts sorrow, when they talk about your, your morning will turn into dancing in the Old Testament, there was some dancing going on. I can guarantee you there was some dancing going on. Her son was dead, and now he is alive. So now let's go forward in the book of Luke to chapter, Luke chapter 8. And I have to talk about some of these miracles. I, I, I need you to understand this other woman's faith, how she dared even to do what she did. So if we go to um, Luke chapter 8, all the way down to verse 41. Uh, 8, 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age. She was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. They surrounded him. Now a woman having a, a flow of blood for 12 years, 
she basically had blood. She was not her. Uh, she was bleeding, and it would not stop for 12 years. Who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Her blood flow stopped. But he was on his way to do something else. He wasn't there for this woman. He was there because Jairus, who was a ruler at the synagogue, um, begged him to come to his house because his daughter was sick. And I guess this woman, um, again, heard that he was coming and figured, hey, no better time than now, I've got to touch the hem of his garment. If I could just touch the hem, I know many of you have heard this message, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And then Jesus said in verse 45, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes, the throngs, um, they're pressing you, and you say, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. And when the woman saw that, he was not, that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him and declared to him, in the presence of all the people, the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your has made you well. Go in peace. So after this, Jesus continued in verse 49. While he was so, again, it was her faith that, that activated the healing. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher. How many of you know that Jesus doesn't mind us troubling him sometimes? Jesus does not mind when we call upon him. In fact, most of the time he's waiting for us to call on him. In fact, there's somebody listening on this line right now. I'm saying there's several people listening right now who need a miracle and need to trouble the Savior. They need to trouble the teacher. So while he was still speaking, somebody came from the ruler, from the ruler of the synagogue house saying, your daughter said, do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. Again, he's saying, don't cry. Don't cry. I know you want to cry. Don't cry. She is not dead, but sleeping. Now, they gave word that she was dead, so it was very clear that this girl was dead. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all out. All of those that were laughing, he just put them out. He took her by the hand and called, saying, 
little girl arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, and he charged them to tell no one what had happened. But do you really believe that nobody said what happened in that house? We're talking about it now. You know that news about Jairus' daughter went through that town like wildfire. And people knew that this, this man, Jesus, could heal. That woman with the issue of blood, do you think she stayed quiet? After being sick for 12 years, do you really believe she kept her mouth shut about what had just happened to her? She could not possibly. And unless, you know, I don't want to say anything negative, but we women, when something good happens, don't you just want to call your friend up? Don't you just want to pick up the phone and say, oh, my goodness, you have to hear this good news. My son is getting married. My daughter's having a baby. And we, we can't wait to share good news. And I, I know that, that um, the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus's, I'm sure Jairus's mother and father ran and told everybody about what Jesus had done. Even if they did not do it, everybody that was outside laughing before, you know that they went out to speak about what Jesus had done, which takes me, now I am going to change Gospels. I want, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. And I'm going to try to read this as quick as possible. So 15:21, Matthew. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sodom. And behold, a woman of Canaan, came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now think about the centurion before, who was out of covenant, who even said, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Even though the Jewish leaders introduced the centurion to Jesus and said, no, this you have to go to the centurion's house. He's a good man. He even built us a synagogue. He's a good man. So that he even had an introduction. Here's this woman um, in, in 15, 21, on her own, approaching the master. Keep that. Hold that thought. And he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There we go again. And she came, but then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Oh, I missed uh, verse 23, where it said, but he answered her not a word. In other words, Jesus, Jesus ignored her. He heard her crying, saying, you know, O oh Lord, son of David, my daughter severely demon possessed, have mercy. But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. Just, just get rid of her. And then she came, and this says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. 
But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread, the bread of Israel, and throw it to the little dogs. And look at what this woman came back and said. And she said, true Lord, yet even the little dogs eat crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. And this is the woman I want to talk about. For, for It's going to be short. But I want you to think about a few things about this woman. First of all, she heard about Jesus. She probably heard about um, the widow's son. She probably heard about the centurion. Who knows if she heard about Jairus' daughter? But people have been talking. Maybe she heard about the woman's issue of blood. That gave her boldness. Because even the centurion did not approach Jesus. Others approached Jesus on his behalf. This woman had the audacity to come to Jesus herself. Why? She was desperate. And she knew that that man had what she needed. And she would do whatever she needed to do to get what her daughter needed. Her daughter was demon-possessed. She had tried everything. She was beside herself. And if any of you have a sick child, you would understand this woman's dilemma, that she, she felt so desperate that she was even willing to be called a dog, to be turned away by the disciples. And people think that was a harsh word that Jesus said. But it activated her faith. She didn't back down. Again, here you see, she, he said, I did not come for you. I came for Israel. Isn't that, even the centurion understood that. He said, I did, he said, um, let me go back to that verse. But he said, he says, I did not, I did not come for you. And she, she endured the disciples saying, just, just send her away. Just send her away. Just send her away. The, re, the reaction of the disciples, they didn't have compassion on her. Like, just get rid of her. She's not one of us. Have you ever felt like that? That you're not one of us? That you're outside looking in? That you can't partake? of the children's bread, have you ever felt that way? And then Jesus says that harsh word to her. With many people, and I first time heard it, I was very taken aback by that. And, and he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dog. But then Jesus she said, true Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. That, and to what he wanted, and I believe why Jesus said that, he wanted the disciples and the others to hear that. Here's another one out of the covenant that recognizes who I am and is willing to be humiliated to, to, to see if she, could, if she could have her miracle. And there are some on this line right now that 
you are desperate for your miracle, and you need your faith activated like this, like this woman, like this Canaanite woman who was outside the covenant, who, feel like she, who felt like she was outside. I'm going to give you a little story that just recently happened. A friend of mine who is a missionary in Brazil, her friend who is an atheist, uh, an avowed atheist, sent her a message. My granddaughter is in the hospital, just born, and, and she's having seizures and convulsions, and they don't know what to do. They can't stop it. And my friend, who is obviously a Christian, she says, well, do you mind if we pray for her? Oh, um, yeah, do whatever you want. Do whatever you can. You know, do, go ahead and pray. And so she sent out a prayer alert. And some on this line, um, Sister Pearl was actually what and Sister Rose also prayed. Well, two weeks later, that child, that they could not stop um, the seizures, God intervened. And the atheist is no longer an atheist because she was outside of the covenant and she asked somebody that was in covenant, can you ask on my behalf? Because she knew, she felt like she didn't have a right to ask. But I'm going to tell you that you have a right to ask. Jesus is here for you. I have seen too many miracles in my life. I have seen people that were addicted to heroin walk into church hooked on drugs, skinny, um, no flesh on their bones, walk out of church with flesh on their bones, completely delivered from their drugs. I, I prayed for people when my faith was not there. How about that? Where I had to rely on another sister's faith because I walked into a hospital room and saw this young mother who was um, on death's bed gray, stage four cancer, her bone marrow was gone. And I walked into that and I was totally unprepared and I had to call a sister and say, this is what's happening and have her pray without even knowing that the girl had, had no bone marrow. And she begins to pray for her bone marrow. And I walked back in the room literally three minutes later, see color come back in her face. That was eight years ago. That mom is still alive, and now she's, a, she's an evangelist for the Lord. She, she travels the subway preaching the word of God. I know God still heals. But what you need is your faith activated. And if you need to read these miracles in the Bible to get your faith activated, know it. No, I'm going to tell you this. Know that this is not just for, the, um, for biblical times. This is for now, today. This is for right now. If you need a miracle, join Lock Shield. Join um, arms with us while we're speaking, and you reach out for your miracle. There are some I know that God spoke to me today. There's going to be somebody on this line that needs a miracle, and they've been praying for one. It seems like it could be somebody with a brain tumor. That's what God is just showing me right now. And you need a miracle. You need God to intervene because you're not in a country where they can do surgery for your tumor. 
And they basically sent you home to die. God is saying, reach out. Reach out. Just like this woman who thought she was outside the covenant. God can intervene so that you can have that miracle. He is the God of miracles. Um, Sister Pearl prayed that there's another so He is the God of miracles. He is the God of the miraculous. He can do what we ask. In fact, if you, if, in Jesus' own words, he said, greater things than this shall you do. God is not a respecter of persons. He is not. If you look in the book of John, chapter 14, verses 11 to 13, Jesus says very clearly that it wasn't just Jesus that had, um, that could command cancer to go, could command um, leprosy to go, that could command somebody who couldn't walk to walk for the blind to see. He said it right here in chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. He said, down at verse 11, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you need healing right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, be thou made whole, that you might know that he is God and he is God alone, and he loves you, and he's no respecter of persons. And if you feel that you're outside the covenant, he's calling you inside. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be brought into covenant. Those who were not his children are now his children. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you, Pastor Myrna. What a tremendous word. And I tell you, I felt and sensed the Spirit of God when you were talking about, you sensed that there are people listening right now that need a miracle. And so we're going to believe God for that. Make sure you hang with us for the end of this broadcast, and we're going to be praying uh, with you and for you, for those that need a miracle. There is nothing too hard or impossible for our God to do. Thank you so much for that tremendous word, woman of God. Uh, So now I just want to round this up, and um, I'm going to read that verse that we've all been uh, particularly focusing on tonight as we talked about women uh, believing, living in the miraculous. Women receive their dead raised to life again. And we know that men receive their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured. I'm going to ask everybody who's not speaking to just please mute your mic. Thank you so much. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. 
tremendous, tremendous. And so now I'm just going to go with that last part. What about this part that talks about others were tortured? This is something that we don't really want to talk about this part. But the reality of it is, is that some of our brothers and sisters not only were tortured, but are being tortured even as I'm speaking this evening or whatever time you're listening to this broadcast. And they rather not uh, accept deliverance from that torture in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. What do I mean by that? Some Christians around the world have been persecuted, have been denied righteous treatment or to be treated fairly simply because they identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not willing to turn their back on Jesus. They were put to the the test and they were asked, look, if you will deny Christ, we're going to let you go. We're not going to harm you. We're not going to harm your loved ones. We're not going to hurt you in any way. But if you insist on saying that you are a friend or a follower or a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're going to hurt you. And in some cases, they've been threatened that we're going to kill you. And we know that even in the first church, the first church experienced this. So many people, if you read the New Testament experience, you will read even the Apostle Paul. Before he became the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, he was a persecutor of the believers. Now, I don't have a lot of time left. So I'm going to take the little time that I have uh, to really just try to bring this home. The part, I might not give you all the verses. I'm going to ask you to, to do some homework and you get into the word of God and you read in the book of Acts where the church was being persecuted. You're going to read where Saul, before he became Paul, was persecuting God's people. And he was having them rounded up. He would have them caught. And he would have them arrested. And he would give the command that they be killed because they were followers of the Lord Jesus. And then on a wonderful, wonderful experience that the Holy Spirit gave to Saul, uh, he met by the Holy Spirit's leading He heard the Lord Jesus, the the Heavenly Father, actually talking to him and, and saying, why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting me? And then Saul was so ashamed, and he had an encounter with Christ and became only a believer, but he, he was used of the Lord to write most of our epistles today became a tremendous follower of Jesus Christ. But before he followed Jesus, he was persecuting God's people. Persecuting God's people. Not good. And so you and I are living in days of persecution. It's not just back during the first century church. It's not just the last century. 
but even in this century. There are men and women of God, young men, old men, um, that are being persecuted, young women, older women that are being persecuted, middle-aged people that are being persecuted. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Verses 14 to 16 says it like this If you're insulted for the name of Christ You are blessed Because the spirit of the glory and of God Rests upon you But let none of you suffer as a murderer Or as a thief Or as an evildoer Or as a meddler Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian Let him not be ashamed But let him glorify God In that name Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 10 says it like this. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, why could they ask the Lord that? They asked the Lord that because they had lost their physical lives through martyrdom. They were not willing to deny the fact that they loved God, that they followed God, that they honored God. The Lord Jesus himself said to us in Matthew, these are the Lord's words, in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 28 to 33. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. And so while Sister Rose and Pastor Myrna, they were talking about hearing God and having phenomenal faith in God, and even having faith to the point where God is able to do the miraculous in our lives. And I have personally witnessed miracles that God has done for me personally, miracles where God, I've seen God move miraculously when the doctors gave no hope to an individual. And but God said, live so that you may declare my glory yet in the land of the living. And so while God does give miracles, it also takes great faith for when we do not get the answer to the prayer that we would like for it to be. For instance, my parents had three children, gave birth to three. My mom gave birth to three children. And my mother and my father, they, have, they were tremendous people of faith. 
We've experienced so many miracles and even physical healings in our body. But when it came to my middle brother, which is the middle child, not my middle brother. I only had two brothers. It was me and then my, the next brother and then my younger brother who's yet alive, thank God. But my brother right under me, we had believed God for tremendous uh, miracles for him for healing. And yet the Lord saw fit to take him home when he was four and a half. But I never heard my parents, and this is the truth, I never heard my parents once say in my hearing ever that they doubted God. Their faith transcended whether God answered the way they wanted to or not. And I'm telling you that in this hour, you and I have to have faith in God that we can say like the three Hebrew boys, Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know that our God is able to deliver us. But even if he chooses not to deliver us, we will not bow down to the enemy. We will not deny our God. We will not turn our back on Christ. I'm going to share with you something tonight. I'm very excited. I'm going to try not to cry. I'm going to share with you something tonight. Personally, had never really seen it like this until I was preparing for this message. And I often wondered, you know, I knew that Abraham was a phenomenal man of God. He is called the father of our faith because of the great example that he was. He's called the father. But he's also called God's friend. Wow. He's called a friend of God. And that, I'm I'm going to take you to the New Testament, James chapter 2, verse 23. And it reads like this. Even read 22 before it. And you see that his faith was working with his actions. And his faith was perfected by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Well, in several circumstances, if you read in Genesis, you can read many different stories where you can see that Abraham was a man of faith. But I would put before you that the greatest testimony of faith that I witnessed in the word of God with Abraham was when God told him to offer up his only begotten son, Isaac. Wow. This was the promised child that God promised to Abraham that would come through his wife in in their old age, Sarah and Abraham. And it was that son that God asked him to offer up. I'm going to tell you a secret. In today's day, you and I and every Christian that ever lived before us and everyone that's going to come after us, we must be 
so much in love with Jesus that if we're asked to, we must be willing. He's not going to ask everybody to do this, but he's going to be asking that everyone be willing to do this because we love Jesus and we're called his friend. And if you think that I'm getting this from something out of the air and not from the word, let me read to you the Lord's own word. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. That's the words of Jesus. So we, yes, Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Master. Jesus is our King. Jesus is our High Priest. But is Jesus also your friend? Because if Jesus is your friend, then you're not going to want to deny your friend. Friendship can feel really strong and easy to keep in the good times. But the test of friendship happens when, for some reason, we're tempted to betray our friends. If we can stick out the temptation, we know that that friendship is real. It's good to remember that faith is a friendship, a close, trusting friendship with God. We're loved, supported, and helped by God all day long. We tell our troubles and our joys to God. You and God go through each day together. He'll be with you for the rest of your life. That's the friendship God has with you and with me. Sometimes you might be tempted to betray that friendship. And this is what we're talking about tonight when we look at Hebrews 11, verse 35, that says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that might that they might obtain a better resurrection. So in other words, if I am put to the test, Pearl, if the government comes to me and says, Pearl, we're going to put you to the test here tonight. If you want to live and you want your loved ones to live, you're going to have to deny that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to deny him. And if you deny him, we'll allow you to to live. But if you don't, but, but let me tell you, if you don't deny him, if you continue to say that you follow Jesus, we're going to take your life. This is what Jesus was meaning when he said in Matthew 10 that I had read to you before. Do not fear those who kill the body, cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Now, I don't know if I will be put to that test. I don't know if the speakers that went before me will be put to that test. But I do know one thing. 
that God holds our lives in the very palm of his hands. And if we say that we follow Jesus and we mean what we say, then we must be willing to lay down our lives, if necessary, for Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And I believe to all the listeners that are listening on Reaching Out Radio at this broadcast, this is the probably the key reason that God called Abraham his friend. Because Abraham was willing to sacrifice the very best that he had. Because God had asked him to do so. God is not going to ask you and, and myself, okay, I want you to take a knife and kill your children today. He's not asking us to do that today. But he might ask us, I don't know, I pray it does not happen, but he might ask us as if he asked other people that have gone on before us. There are people that are in some countries in um, Africa. I'm thinking specifically of Nigeria, certain parts of Nigeria right now, that have laid down their life, better resurrection. Why? Because they were not willing to deny their intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. They were not willing to say that they did not follow Jesus. They did not want to turn their back on Jesus. And because of that, they lost their life, their physical life, but they gained life eternal. Why? Because they proved they were a true follower and a true friend of God. Mm. And we know that all those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. I'm thinking tonight of so many uh, people and so many stories, true stories that I have read over my Christian experience of great men and women of God that were put to the test and chose to follow Jesus, lost their physical body, but gained everything because they knew that heaven belonged to them. Look, I don't know what your circumstance is, but I want you to know that the same God of miracles is also the God who will have outstretched arms for you and for me if he allows us to come to a place where we're going to have to give up our physical lives so that we do not deny belonging to Jesus. This same miracle-working God will be there with arms outstretched to receive us. We will step in from one second to the next second, one second on this side of glory, to the next second 
to be in the arms of Jesus. I don't know, beloved. The Lord may call me to give my life for the gospel. I don't know. But I must be willing to do that. Be willing to do that. You must be willing to do that. Why? Number one, we're a friend of God. And we're not willing to deny the wonderful relationship or betray our friendship just so that we can keep our physical bodies. Some of you might be embarrassed to admit that you go to church or you pray. You might think it wouldn't be so bad to hurt someone else's feelings, but just this one time. You might just stop reading the Bible or praying at night because you've got other things to do. You're not the first to feel that way, you know, and you won't be the last. In fact, Christians have been tempted to betray their friendships with God ever since the beginning in both big and small ways. Just like any other friendship, every time we resist that temptation and stay faithful to that friendship, our faith grows stronger. When you and I refuse to deny Jesus, our faith grows stronger. This is the hour. This is the day, men and women of God, to exercise our faith in God. On both sides of the fence, we exercise our faith in God to believe him for miracles. I believe God for miracles. The, the daughter that I have is a living, breathing miracle. I was told the night before her surgery that the surgery she was going through has the highest rate of child fatality of any other surgery that they do on children. That means that the surgery that they were doing on my daughter, that had the highest rate of children dying from the very same surgery. But I knew my God, and I know my God, and I know that my Redeemer lives. And I said to the doctor, you do your very best, and I will be praying for you. I don't believe that God brought my child all the way to have this surgery and then for her to be lost. And I can tell you tonight, for the glory of God, that my daughter is now 20 years old, healthy and beautiful. So I'm, I'm a person, I believe in miracles. I can I, if I had the time, I could tell you miracle after miracle that God has done in my own physical body, miracles where I've prayed for people, I've seen other people pray for people, and, and, and they got all kinds of miracles. I've seen miracles of deliverances from all kinds of addictions. I've seen miracles where families were devastated and brought back together. I know of one of my spiritual daughters in the faith that she was hooked on crack and cocaine, went through four different government programs, did not receive any kind of help from any one of those programs, took just one opportunity for her to go to a little church in the Bronx, New York. She walked into a small church where they believe in the power of God, pray for her to be delivered. This young woman has never, has been totally delivered, has never touched crack and cocaine again. Didn't take two weeks, didn't take two years. One encounter with, 
the Lord of Miracles, and she's been set free. That's been more than 10 or 15 years ago for the glory of God. So I know that God is a God of miracles. But in some instances, I'm telling you, we're going, our faith will be challenged, and we've got to be willing. I live, I live for Jesus. If I die, I die for the glory of Christ, because I know I always live forever with him. I want to use these last two minutes and pray. Father God, I thank you for everyone that listens in to tonight's program. And we do pray. I pray especially for the women listening, that they will experience having their dead raised to life, whether it be dead spiritually and then they're raised to life eternally or even in the natural, physically. There's nothing too hard for you. You can raise even somebody that's lying in a sick bed that has died. You can raise them if you choose to do so. But, Father God, I pray that for whatever the miracle is, whether it's the miracle of salvation, it's the miracle of healing somebody, it's the miracle of seeing a breakthrough, it's a miracle, God, whatever the miracle is that will glorify your name, we ask in Jesus' name. And, Father, help us to stand true and to be true friends of God and have that same testimony that our father in the faith did, Abraham, that you can say of us, we are your friend. God, we bless you. We thank you for this program. Bless everyone that listens. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. God bless you. We love you. This is your sister Pearl for Reaching Out Radio tonight. Bye-bye. God bless you. Thank both of my guests tonight. Pastor Myrna, Sister Rose, we love you and appreciate you. The Lord bless you. Amen. Bye-bye. Bless you.